Eight films have been nominated, but only one will take home the prize. You're listening to the Quest for the Bestest 2021 Oscar nominees edition from Backlog Banter. Your hosts are Timo Nelson, Tucker Hazel, Tanner Dykstra, and Abram Buner. You can find more of our content on YouTube and Twitter at Backlog Banter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Quest for the Bestest 2021 Best Picture nominees. We are talking about every Best Picture nominee. We're going to figure out what we like the best, what goes at our number one spot, and then we're going to talk about what the Academy thinks is number one. And then, to tie it all up in a nice bow, we're going to talk about it in conjunction with the rest of our list and figure out where 2021 ranks up against years such as 1947, 1963. You know, how does, it, how does this year stack against some of the best? So today we're talking about The Father, directed by Florian Zeller. It's starring the main role, Anthony Hopkins. We've got Olivia Coleman and some other people, but those are our real main characters in this film. Pretty short movie. We've had some maybe back and forth on the sidelines about what we thought, but I really want to I really want to hear our thoughts. And to start off, give me what I should be thinking about. I would like to hear Tucker's perspective to begin. Well, I'm actually going to start off with something other than my perspective, which is I'm just going to list the uh, the nominations that it's gotten so we can set our, set our perspective in the proper way. I uh, was something fascinating that I learned about 10 seconds before we started recording. I was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Anthony Hopkins, uh, Best Supporting Actress for Olivia Coleman, Adapted Screenplay, because I believe this was a play beforehand, Production Design, and Best Film Editing. Oh, wait. Shit. The guy's name is Lord Yorgos Lanthimos, which looks a lot like yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos. And I thought that it was edited by Yorgos Lanthimos, and I was going to freak out about that, but it's not true. No. Nope. Well, there goes my bit. <laughs> I misread it, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> that's scarily close to Lanthimos." I, I remember seeing that because um, I was really lucky. I got to go see this in the theater, socially distanced and masked, of course. Um, and surprisingly far cheaper than watching it at home, um, having to rent it for 20 bucks or whatever. But I saw that I saw that credit in the beginning and I was like, oh, that's really close to Yorgos Lanthimos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, honestly, if I if I am to give my my perspective on this, I watched this about a week ago, and for the first time in this history of this show, I did not take notes on a mm. film because I thought I was gonna be seeing it again with Tanner, but he saw it without me. So I I'm this is gonna be the weirdest discussion that i've ever done um but i think this movie is absolutely fantastic from essentially every perspective and i enjoyed it way 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 more than i expected to there you go tanner since you saw without tucker leaving him forlorn and at home alone how was your experience watching it uh my experience was much better sans tucker obviously (laughs) (laughs) but no uh I honestly expected. Oh, we, we we should we don't say this, but we don't. We shouldn't really need to. But spoilers for this, by the way. I feel like this is a spoilerful movie because because this is what this is what my my opening statement hinges on. I thought this is just going to be like a really slow burn drama, and it's very it's very actored, and it's just kind kind of got nothing special other than outside of like some really solid performances. But no, this thing with this thing's opens immediately with a very high concept uh, sort of conceit for how it's how it's put together, how the scenes are connected from one end to the next, uh, what actors come in at what points. And that is, of course, that this entire thing is framed through the perspective of uh, Anthony, portrayed by Anthony Hopkins, who's suffering from dementia or some sort of some sort of uh, mentally deteriorating disease. And by putting it in his perspective, the audience just has no clue what's real, what's fake, 
who who what events happen in what order where we are who we're talking to really and the who way we are who we are who am i but <laughs> the way that this film frames all of those questions and wraps this up in, in, into an entirely new experience that i had no idea we were getting coming going into it i was i was really blown away by it i loved it yeah i thought this film was truly fascinating the narration it i i we we've talked about you know in some of our other quest videos about films that have been adapted from plays and that is a tricky thing to do because the play takes place in one location often doesn't have a whole lot going on besides the acting and maybe some sound work but this film takes its abilities as a film to portray this stuff that is pretty hard to portray otherwise and does it really well i think it's extremely interesting and it's you know we get down to it it's terrifying it's, it's a horrifying movie to watch and as you understand how it's telling you this story then it's it you just it gets in your head and i'm like i'm i'm like oh wait what what's going on i'm trying to figure it out but i mean truly it's so confusing that you can't and you know every nine times out of ten i'm gonna say that's a bad thing i i do want to be able to figure out what's going on in the movie but because this is such a specific topic um that's i think it's necessary and it makes it makes for a enjoyable and thought-provoking experience. Now, I, I, I deliberately skipped over you, Abram. I know you have some different thoughts, so I, uh, I just wanted to keep all of our, our pluses and our minuses lumped together, so I want to hear what you've got to say, because I know it's pretty different. I did not like The Father almost at all. I, I, I think that this is a very interesting film, but we, we've talked in other reviews about gimmick films and we've talked about oscar bait and for me this is pretty archetypical of that right. I, I think that the father would have worked incredibly well as a plot line or as a short film but the way i read it is that it was a fascinating depiction of someone's deteriorating mental health but it's vapid i think i don't think that the characters surrounding anthony hopkins do anything of substance. I think the film is entirely hinged in its appeal on how disorienting it is, which it is successfully. And I think Anthony Hopkins is is here in acting to to be here and to act and to get a nomination for Best Actor because his performance is emotional, but I think at a lot of times it feels overwrought. I, I really think that this is, it's inventive in some respects, but on the whole, I found it really off-putting in, in how narcissistic it felt and, and, and how I really didn't see anything to grab onto when you can pretty quickly recognize, okay, yeah, we're not in this flat. These people aren't who they say they are. It's a really interesting lens into dementia, I think, but for such a, a heavy topic, such a complex topic, I think this is a really simple way to approach it, which is stylistically interesting, but not interesting from a substance perspective almost at all. Hmm. I think I, the one thing I was going into this movie thinking is that, okay, you know, honestly, I was about the same page as Tanner. I, I thought this was going to be more of just other, other people taking care of him and him kind of being wacky and, and, and going down the tube in terms of his mental sanity. Um, but the fact is that this is a film for, from my perspective, having not seen every movie, but I've seen quite a few movies that this is not, it's not a film like anything else I've seen. It is not only an unreliable narrator, but an unreliable film. There is nothing in this film to to grab onto, and I and I think that is clearly quite intentional. And I think the structure of it, because nothing is reliable, makes that very interesting. You say that 
it was maybe to you clear that this was not happening in the flat. And I think that I don't think it's actually as clear as as maybe you're saying is because the film takes place over an indiscriminate amount of time. In in my mind, this is being told through his memories and his misperception of things. So is it in his flat? Maybe you think so at the beginning, because why wouldn't it be that, you know, that's a reasonable place for it to take place? But then, OK, well, he's confusing his flat with with uh, his daughter's flat. And you're like, okay, well, you know, that's still pretty reasonable. But then there's another spin on it. It's like, no, her her husband owns it. But is her husband even real? Did they get divorced? There's there's so many layers to this. And the way that they tie everything together end to end and subvert your expectations and not only replace actors and and moments in the scenes, but they change the set in subtle ways that makes you disoriented and, and confused on which room you're in or or which door goes where. And when it comes around to the end and you realize, okay, he actually has been dreaming all this, quote unquote, by replacing his, the reality of being in a, a mental hospital or, you know, sorry, a, like an old folks home, essentially. Uh, it, it ties it together in, in a really sad way because you're realizing that this man who clearly had a lot of energy in the past and and what what had a drive to get things done has just been everything we've seen as just his sad memories and we're watching them be lost. And I think that the fact that the movie is so successful in its structuring makes that all the more powerful when the end he's just staring at the window. You're like, wow, holy shit, this, this is really sad. And I had a grandpa who had Alzheimer's and I watched him go downhill every time I would see him every year. He would be telling these long stories and, and didn't remember our names properly and um, would just say random things and do random actions you know, when he felt like it because he was losing his mind. Um, and, and I think this is a very good visual representation of that. And I, I mean, I think there's a lot of substance to dig into because it is so, so thematically rich. It is so rich in character and history. And, and the fact that you can puzzle it all together is just absolutely fascinating. I think that you said something about it, you, you questioning its validity as a feature film. And I think that, well, maybe if, if it, it can be rewritten to be a short film, but in its, the way it's presented as an hour and a half long movie, it's, it's one of the shortest movies we've seen in a long while, actually. Yeah. Um, which, you know, no question, no qualms or anything about that, but, um, the way that it continually makes you re-question, you think you figured it out. And as soon as you think you've got it, nope, you got it wrong. It, it, it adds another fold. It adds another character. It adds another twist to the story. Maybe it replays scenes. Scenes are replayed a couple times. They don't, oh, you know, so cool. not everything takes place linearly. Um, the plot is, is totally jumbled, um, as in the narration. And so, to keep that going, I think it works really well, and it makes it a it makes it a feature film, and it compels me the whole time. Even at points where I don't, you know, I don't like his character. I don't, I don't, I, I'd hate how he acts most of the time. Um, and so, as I was saying, I think it like works. Um, it works specifically as a feature film with all these new folds that it's adding, and you know, as it keeps introducing characters, pulls them back, retells scenes, all that, just like it confuses the hell out of me and it makes me as it progresses more and more, it turns Antony into a much more sympathetic character, even in his crotchety old manness, um, makes me initially dislike him. Yeah. It's, it's the Daniel Craig knives out meme. It makes no damn sense. It compels me though. 
I I agree. I agree with everything that uh, Timo and Tucker have been saying. Uh, one thing that's really interesting about this film to me is that uh, both of them brought up, you know, that you're, all, you're you're trying to puzzle it together. You're trying to figure out what pieces actually happened, where they slot in in the overall timeline. And I was trying to do that, that same thing, which is probably what uh, contributed to probably our overall or all, all of our liking of the film so much. But uh, towards the end, I think it's about the time that the uh, that uh, we actually see Anthony in the in the retirement home. Uh, I, I came to realize, like, oh, we're not supposed to do that in this film. I mean, you, I, I'm, I shouldn't say that. But, like, there is certainly a reading of this film where you can do that and one where you don't. And I think that's a really interesting way to, to make a film is that, like, this is uh, not in, like, a thriller that you're supposed to puzzle it together what actually happened, r slash the father fan theories going on. <laughs> But no, this is this is an experience. This is Florian Zeller like, okay, I'm going to stylistically tell I'm, and try to make the audience understand what living with the in the latter days of, with one of these conditions is like. And I think that he accomplishes that incredibly stylistically in an incredibly engaging and enthralling manner. And I think that the performances put on by Anthony Hopkins is incredible the performance from olivia coleman although we don't see her very much uh really brings really rings true in an inc- a completely different aspect of the film which is in a child a child having to see having gone through adulthood now having to see their parent who the, who raised them go through this and having that having that dynamic switch and be like, and having to deal with this and you know maybe having your partner say like we can't live like this i know he's your father i know he's your the father but we cannot go on. We cannot go on with him living in in our home like this. And they they te- they. Who's show the some, real the father? They show some elder abuse in this. It's it's all very uh it's very engaging and it it puts it all out there. But it's restrained at the perfect times as well. And I think this is near perfect. I I think where where I differ because I I I, I hear what all of you guys are saying, but I don't think it accomplishes for me tonally what it's trying to accomplish. I think it's a very showy film, and I don't think that that's what this subject matter deserves. Mm-hmm. I think the use of the score, the sort of realization that things are happening out of order, it's played in the way I was I was watching the film as you didn't see this coming, you didn't see that coming. I I, I think that the film gets so lost in how admittedly very clever its its editing is and how clever its structure is, that it begins to dilute and get away from what this film should be. And I think the strongest moments are when Anthony Hopkins is playing either off of his daughter and Laura when he's going on that whole rant about how you're not gonna you're not gonna take the fucking flat or whatever he says, mm-hmm. or or when he's going off of the nurse. These are really vulnerable and emotional moments. But I think so much of the film for me is oh, here, look at this. Look at the way that we're stitching these things together to, to, to break continuity, to, to, to mess with the audience's head. And that's interesting and it's effective to an extent, but I think it becomes so much about that style that it became a gimmick to me and I didn't feel the emotional resonance that they were trying to convey through it. I think uh, what you're saying really hinges on what, to what degree you empathize with Antony. Because yeah, you're right. He does have, the, he does have these very vulnerable moments I think what you're supposed to feel in the rest of the film, what you think is a little, a little narcissistic, a little showy, uh, which I can see those criticisms. I think what you, what your that empathy really hinges on you feeling that same confusion and fear that Anthony feels in those moments, and he doesn't show it, 
but you can see it in the dialogue that he uses because uh, when he when something happens that he doesn't remember or doesn't understand, he's like, oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, of course, I remember that, which is what people do in those situations, which is it, it's incredibly it's incredibly realistic, his his dialogue yeah. and his performance in this. And I think but you're still supposed to pick up on and empathize with those moments of confusion and of fear, because overall, I think the 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 emotion that we're supposed to get from Anthony in this is fear. He's, he's afraid of change. He's afraid of what's happening to him. He's afraid of what's going to happen to the people around him of losing people of losing himself, losing his own mind, his memories, time overall, which is what the watch represents, which is really clever. And I think, yeah, like I said, I think it's all handled very, very well. I think, I, um, I, I, okay, Abram, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, sorry, Shima, but I, I see where you're coming from. And I do feel that I feel that especially when the, when the, when the film slows down, even just for a scene mm-hmm. to, to let these things play out, which I would have wanted to see more of. But I think part of my problem is that it becomes harder for me as an audience member to want to empathize with that fear when literally paying attention to these events and trying to parse them out doesn't matter when when there, the overall narrative is about being inside of his head and mm. the feeling opposed to what's happening. If there was an urgency to understand what Anne was doing, to understand who Paul was, to understand what they're going to do to Anthony, I, I think there would have been a little bit more reason for the, the structural obfuscation of the plot and of his understanding of the world to operate the way that it does. But because it doesn't, I found myself disconnected from the fact that, okay, we're just kind of unspooling time and respooling it in ways that are supposed to be disorienting and they are but ultimately if i don't need to try to cut through the disorientation then it feels like a, it feels like a showpiece it feels like okay you know what whatever here these events are being shown out of order actually i think personally i would might have been more compelled by the the french play that this is based off of in terms mm. of understanding the characters in terms of making it a little bit more about trying to hold on to something because I don't see as an audience member why I should be holding on to these events when ultimately it becomes clear, okay, we're not where we say we are. Ultimately, Anne's motivations don't really amount to much. Ultimately, it is about Anthony, but we're just focusing on, okay, this is happening. It's happening again. We're changing. We're shifting. It's clever. I think the movie is clever, but I don't necessarily think that clever should have been what you're shooting for in a film that's trying to get inside the head of, of a man with dementia, especially when the film tries to set up this, this complex web around him. I think there's a little, if there's a little bit more energy put beyond the, the, the style to drive the substance home further, because it is there in some portions, the film would have been stronger. Hmm. Yeah, I am. Um, it's, I, it's, I think that you've got some of it, but for me as watching the film, I couldn't, not try to piece it together like my brain is just wired i guess in that way where even as i you know thinking brain understands that this film is not i'm not going to be able to piece it together and that that's the point as far as i saw it but i still tried i still like oh but wait were we in the nursing home the whole time and and there's you know i think there's a lot of visual metaphors tanner brought up the watch there's like the color blue is is really prominently portrayed through the film and and that production design nomination is absolutely deserving but even even when i'm like ah oh, like i like ah, i'm stumped i can't figure it out i just like well i still keep trying and that's where i think the fear and the just like the total lack of understanding 
which is the, the the central thematic idea for me, really comes through and and hits at least how I how I view it. I think you actually hit the nail on the head there, Timo. I think that the film, which and this is the film that is a lot less about plot than it is about the feel, the characters, their emotions, and and how that affects the world around them and how they perceive things. This movie is not about the end goal of figuring it out. It's about the act of trying to figure it out. It's him trying his best to keep his memories intact and being frustrated when someone else doesn't accept him for what he's trying to do or or belittles him or as something slips away he you feel that anger towards him trying to keep it all together and the film is structured around the fact that he doesn't necessarily remember things clearly he can't even remember what his own child looks like and and he doesn't exactly remember these certain memories but he remembers some better than others and he keeps bringing up certain stories and he remembers i think i think the film works best when you are reconnecting the small aspects together when it's his chair when it's his watch when it's the chicken they're having for dinner that keep getting replayed in in interesting ways that play into the characters and the and the way they deliver it and the way that they're that informs their relationships for the rest of the scene. You're always trying to piece things together, but it's not into, it's not possible. I think that I think the truth is in there somewhere. I think there is a way you can dig through this film and find what actually happened, who he was, who his children were, what their relationships were, which which Paul is real, which uh, if if they are, are actually just reinterpretations of the people that are taking care of him, or if those are separate people. And, and I think there is a reality here. And the fact that it is so confusing and it is more about the act of trying than the final goal, I think is what makes this film unique and is why I'm honestly surprised. Well, mm. Abram said this feels like Oscar bait. I'm surprised this got nominated for Best Picture. I'm surprised it's receiving the accolade, Scott, because to me, it feels like the opposite of that. It feels like, okay, we're, we're subverting your expectations of what an Oscar bait film is. Of course, you've got Anthony Hopkins delivering an absolutely fantastic performance with lots of subtle nuance in his movements and his emotions and his reactions to things. But we're not just giving you that. We're giving you something that is more about being in the moment, more about emotion, more about memory than it is when you're watching a film. And you have to pay more attention when watching this than you do your average Oscar bait film, which, you know, is just, you know, a flowery story that's told to you verbatim and you don't really have to put much thought into it. But this if this film really surprised me because it does it doesn't feel like anything else we've seen so far. And. I'm very happy it's receiving the accolades. I think all the nominations that it gotten are are far and beyond just deserved. I think all the performances are are fantastic. I really like Imogen Poots trying to, uh, as Laura, trying to put on a show face to take care of someone. But when she has this underlying layer of of fear of not being able to do it, or or if she has to react in a certain way to something, how does she handle a situation? There's such a balance here. And I know I'm going on a long tangent. I'm trying to get all my points out right now. But I, I don't know. I just think this film is endlessly fascinating. And it feels, to me, the exact opposite of what an Oscar bait film is, you know, in my mind canon. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you yeah. mentioned it demanding or requiring your attention. And I was going to note that I think that, like, you have to pay attention. But the film makes it, A, easy to pay attention, but also necessary. I think the film does filmmaking tricks that it's always like grabbing you and pulling you back in. You know, the, I talked about production design and here I'm going to really lay into it. 
The set's always changing. The set is never the same scene to scene. Yes. Which that was the moment that really, when I noticed that sets were like the same layouts, but the, the furniture was different and the colors were different. And you're like, holy shit, that's what really hooked me. And so like that is like, oh, oh, wait, I, I have a clue. I'm going to start trying to figure stuff out. But then as you know, the scene plays out and I get wrapped back into the drama and then like we go back into the, the what's changed of the scene. And then I really love the scene to scene cutting. The, the, the way the editor, Yorgos Lanthimos 2, wants to <laughs> cut between one, like one shot to the next where it's, they're sort of match cuts, but they're not. And that just works really well as like a further a disorienting tool, but it, it still makes me pay attention because it's a movie from a play, and a movie from a play often isn't that interesting. I mean, I often am bored. You know, you know, you take five movies from plays and five movies original or from a book or whatever. And I'm, I feel like I'm going to be disinterested, a little bit more bored, more from from the play as a source material. But this uses the film, uses everything that you can do in a film so effectively to tell the story that I think probably was told very well in the play as well. But it expands upon that in this, you know, visual time medium that um film does so well it's a good example of your distinction between film versus theater yeah i think speaking of distinctions some of it comes from what i think that a film with the subject matter should be and, and what this wasn't so I, a lot of my dislike of the film is subjective because when you talk about the production design when you talk about the editing when you talk about these things that's all true there are there's a lot of objective merit to the film but I think that this, I think that the way we, we talk about this is, is highlighting to me part of my issue is that this becomes a technical endeavor. It becomes a technical marvel. This is a technically, incredibly, interestingly constructed film. Reminds me in some ways of uh, speaking about a 1917 or some of the other really gim little G gimmick films that, that happen where, where the gimmick is being used to propagate a, a thematic element or a narrative element. Yeah. But... I just think that 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 the that the message of the film for me became okay this is this is clever we keep talking about cleverness we keep talking about interesting filmmaking about subversion and everything but this is a film where I really wanted a lot of emotion and I just I think that all of this gets in the way of that because when the film takes its time it, it hits the hardest I don't think it does that enough when you get to sequences where you have Anne and Anthony and Laura, when you when you slow down and you're and you're in the the room at the end of the film, when we're taking time, when we just see a shot of of uh, the the other daughter after a car accident or or insert X accident, whatever happened, I think when the film is a little bit slower, a little bit more subtle, and a little bit more about its characters and about that emotion. It, it hits more what it's trying to do. And I think you can have both. And Tucker was speaking about balance. And I think in, in through the lens he was talking about balance, he's right. But through the lens I wanted of, of the stylistic success of the technical element, but also the, the character element, the heart of the film, it, didn't, it just didn't work for me. I don't think that it keeps both of these ideas in concert. This All of this technical achievement and the heart, I think... I think the film sacrifices one for the other and flips between that because you get great sequences of both. But I didn't get a harmony of the two. And, and for me, that was a big disappointment, especially when this is such a personal issue to so many people and it's touched so many lives and you get so many films that are this honest. It's a very honest film for, for everything that it is. It's very honest, but I just don't think, I don't think it got out of its own way enough. 
I, because the production design is incredible, but this is not the type of film where I want to sit down and be thinking, okay, they changed the props. They changed the mise-en-scene to evoke this and to confuse the audience because ultimately now you're distancing me from Antony. You're distancing me from the people here who, who are watching their father fall apart in front of them. You know, I think the film strikes at a lot, but I don't think it really connected for me. Um. I, I think I, I, I might sound like a broken record here, but I think it does, again, tie back to the the idea of empathizing with Anthony, because this at the same time that you're experiencing the changing, uh, the changing layout of the apartment and the changing people coming in and out. So is Anthony. And you're so, I think what Zeller wants you to do is empathize with him and sort of get on his wavelength of being fearful of what's happening and be confused by what's happening. And that is the core of the characterization of Anthony is his, uh, uh, that, that's the core of it. And surrounding that is things like his irritation, his anger, uh, which is inspired by his fear, obviously uh, his, his irritability and his stubbornness is a really interesting thing because uh, from, you know, obviously everyone's um, everyone's experience with a family member having Alzheimer's or dementia is going to be different. But from I, I've looked, I've been looking through some reviews, and it sounds like some people can empathize with uh, these people being stubborn, especially someone who was born around the 1940s. They grew up in some harsh, uh, some harsher environments, and they don't want this help. They don't want help from their child who they raised in the first place. And I think that comes across in Anthony Hopkins's uh, performance as well. Um, I just want to commend Anthony Hopkins on this as well. He started acting back in the 60s. He's 83 right now, and he's still so malleable and flexible to the style of filmmaking. I think it's incredible. I, I think you're right in the fact that maybe from the perspective Abram was watching it, wanting that to slow down a little more, um, you know, would have given you a little bit of more time to connect to the characters. But I, I think Tanner is, is correct in, in seeing that this film is not intended for you to to watch the characters interact. It's it's intended for you to feel the characters' emotions through their eyes. The reason that it's intercutting so quickly, the reason that the sets are changing, the reason that you're noticing the mise-en-scene changing is because, as Tanner said, he is as well. And when you're noticing those things, you have to go through those emotions of, okay, well, is this the same place? Uh, yeah, I noticed that they changed it. I noticed that they did the editing, but he's mixing his memories up. This is what through his eyes he's seeing. And I think that's why this is the, the perfect way to tell this story. I, I really don't think you can do it in, in a more flat way with, with just watching the characters interact. Because I think that takes away from the, the emotional power that the film as a, as a medium holds. Because I have not been in a film like this before, watching a film like this, where where my emotions are so tied to the filmmaking. I, I often disregard uh, set design, costume design, uh, cinematography, all that. I'm like, okay, I want to focus on the story. I want to focus on the characters. But this uses filmmaking in, in all of its editing and cinematography and set design glory to enhance its characters, to enhance, enhance its themes of, of, it, of all the things that the, the, sorry, the characters are having, those conflicts, this, this, the filmmaking supports those. And without the filmmaking being as complex and as interesting, as unique as it is, I, th I think it loses the charm of what makes this movie so special. And it would end up feeling much more like, okay, yeah, this is just another Oscar bait film, right? Someone's losing their mind and, and we want to see the emotion behind that. But the fact that they went so far to improve the filmmaking to support that makes this film 
so much more special. Yeah, I think it's I have important. A, I have, oh, sorry. I think uh, it's Timo, important to know. I just want to drop in uh, one quick point okay. here on okay. top of that. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, to, to go off of, to, because Tucker reminded me of this when he was talking. Um, and it, it relates to Abram's sort of criticism that he wants to spend more time in those character moments. Because in talking about empathizing with Anthony, so does he. Towards the end of the film, in those vulnerable moments, he's like, no, 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 please stay stay with me. I don't want you to leave this room. I, I can't be alone. I can't be in here. Because every time he's alone, something changes. And he is also striving for those brief, those brief moments where things slow down, where things slow down for him in his mind. Oh, and people are like, oh, no, movie. I'll be right back. But he's like, no, I know if these people leave, if I, if I leave this moment with them, things are going to speed up again and change. And uh, yeah, that just reminded me of that. So I think it is much more of an experience of you living with Anthony's condition. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say losing those fleeting moments of stillness. Mm-hmm. He can't have them anymore because his mind's so messed up. I was going to yes. say it's it's critical in understanding this film to really latch on to it's from his perspective. It's not from mm-hmm. his daughter's perspective. It's not from the caregiver's perspective. It's really you see the world, you see the characters through Anthony's eyes. And I think that because it's through his eyes and, you know, in thinking about it, well, what if they told it through from a little bit more pulled back perspective, maybe with still some of the elements that that convey you know, convey memory through visual means. I don't think it would succeed as much due to, you know, just it it loses the viscerality of it. You lose some of that real core stuff that just punches you in the gut as you realize how much it's deteriorating, um, you know, for him because you see it deteriorating on the screen. The, the, The perspective and the narration of the film being very clearly from Anthony's Anthony's perspective. Um, is really important to understanding like how it functions and where to come at it from a, a, a critique perspective. I think you guys are making a lot of good points and I think, I think you're, you're right on the whole. I'm not sure my position is, is moved a lot, but I think I have a, a different appreciation for where you guys are coming from. I just, I, I think that you can find just from my perspective, I think you can find a, a medium between a very typical drama and the way this is shown. I still think you could work from his perspective, but just slow down scenes a little bit, maybe change the ways that musical cues are used as like a, Hey, look at the way the time is shifting. I think that, I just think that there are things that could be done to not, in my opinion, foreground the style in a way that takes away from the emotion. That said, that said, there are things I really like about the film and just to, to move forward a little bit. Um, I, I think it's a really interestingly shot film. Uh, one, one, sh- one shot I really loved is you see Anne in the kitchen and the, the middle third of the frame is her moving back and forth and the, the two sides of, of the kitchen door are out of focus. I think this film is, is shot in very interesting ways that adds a lot to the feel. It's a very stylistic film from a cinematography perspective as well. So I, I really did like that, like, like Tucker was saying and uh, Tanner was saying. The performances are really great. I, I, I think that my only issues with them come from, again, the way that the filmmaking kind of portrays them in ways that I didn't connect with. But I think that everybody is, is excellent in, in the film with what they, with what they do. I, I think there's a lot to really like. You know, I just think that my reading of the film is different, you know, but I think the cinematography is worth commending a lot of the film. The script is very good, too. There's a, there's a lot of we keep talking about fundamental elements. There's a lot of great fundamental elements to the film. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Let's talk about that one scene that Tanner and I had a little conversation oh, yeah. about, which I think is one of the highlights of the film that hooked me even deeper is is the scene where they have dinner in the dining room and and Anthony Hopkins uh, comes by the door and catches them uh, Anna and uh, Paul having a conversation and they go through their entire dinner uh, uh, or, you know, a, an edited dinner an edited down dinner of them having their meal and, and cutting between conversations. And then he gets up and leaves and the, and the scene resets to the, to the same positions that they were at the beginning. And it, and it loops back around in a completely seamless manner. And I think mm -hmm. that it's that, it's that loop of him leaving, losing the connection to whatever was going on in the moment. And then, you know, old man wandering back into the, into the room and, back to square one and and i think the fact that it is no, no cut between that shot of going there and coming back is just it's it's incredible filmmaking that i i mean tanner and i had like a, a whole yeah. discussion about oh that was so cool because i think the fact that it is so cool is you know maybe not a great thing when i'm thinking about the filmmaking rather than the emotions but it's still a film and I want a film to do those clever, unique things with its medium that make me think, Oh yeah, this is something special. They put a lot of effort into this. And, and I would, I would rather have that and something else to grab onto than have it be a little more flat. I, I don't know. I just yeah. wanted to bring up that scene because I think yeah. it's a really special filmmaking moment. Uh, hey. Something I want to add off of that is while, you, while well. you're talking, I'm going to interject okay. that I am very curious to see where this lines up on the vote machine. So Tanner, give oh, us your yeah. thoughts and um, submit your votes and we'll find out in a second. Okay. Okay. Uh, I wanted to say just a quick note off of that because yes, it does. It uh, recurs naturally. It loops back around again naturally, but it also uh, serves, serves the larger story in it sets up Paul's abusive behavior towards Antony. Because I believe that is the first time that we see him actively, uh, actively, you know, aggressive in in a physical manner towards him. I think that Paul might have done a little bit of that earlier when they were standing in the uh, standing. When the first time you're introduced to him, he gets mm -hmm. up from reading a newspaper and, and starts to break. And then I think it's one of the best moments of Anthony Hopkins' performance when he's reacting to this guy, like giving a bunch of. Yeah. crap and he he can't like keep up so he's overwhelmed and his and his hands are shaking and, and you see him mm -hmm. like flinching away from something that probably back in the day he would have been able to stand up for himself and yeah and knock down the conversation no i'm the patriarch here i i know what i'm about but this man has de deteriorated so much that he's he's taken back to being mm -hmm. a child and reacting to someone yelling at him uh for something that in, on the whole is not his fault yeah uh, speaking of of him, you know, sort of reverting back to that childlike sort of fear, uh, two things that I didn't really like, because I did say it's a near-perfect film. Uh, I don't really care for uh, that sort of final, uh, the sort of final scene where he reverts back to that and he wants his mommy. I understand that that's probably yeah. pretty realistic, but it felt a little too on the nose for the script, from a script writing perspective, uh, as well as, and this speaks to some of Abrams' criticisms in terms of character fleshing out. Uh, more Lu I think more Lucy stuff wouldn't have hurt this film at all because we see him have a sort of nightmare about her after her accident and making some hints about her being a painter. And there's obviously some sort of uh, relationship that there's some 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 uh, tension between their relationship when Anne and Lucy and Anthony were younger uh, when they were children. But yeah, I, I, more of that would certainly would not have hurt the film in any way. Yeah. Okay, well, we've 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 talked at length 
about our various yeah. points or various perspectives. So are you ready to hear where it lands? Oh boy. Oh God. So I'm nervous. The number is two point two five. Oh, oh. order. Okay. So and Tanner I Tanner and I put it down. at number two. Tugger mm-hmm. had it at number one, and Abram put it at number four. So there we go. Thoughts on that? Thoughts on that placement? That means uh, remind me again because I'm always bad at math, and I'm sure some members of our audience are as well. No offense, it, math is tough. Don't 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 two, get me wrong. Two point two five would mean that it goes at place number three. So it would okay, go okay. one spot above Minari, and it would go one spot below Judas and the Black Messiah. Um. I'd say I'm okay with that. I, I I mean, I think we've I think we've fleshed out all of our perspectives and takes on this film as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh I I I certainly still think that I'm um, real on the fence if it's better or not than Judas. Um yeah. and given that Abram didn't like it very much, I think we can respect that in the in the final placement of the vote. Yeah. And that's fine. I think for me, I just have to say the reason I I want to put it at number one is I honestly think that this does the sound of metal thing of putting you through a a deteriorating experience a lot better because I think the filmmaking, while the sound design, of course, obviously a lot better, a lot more mm-hmm. interesting in sound of metal, I think that this uses the filmmaking techniques so much stronger to put you into the mind of a character. And, and not only that, because those two are, are two of my favorites, but those are my two favorites so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very close in my mind, but I think that this from my perspective, should be above Judas and the Black Messiah because while that tells a more impactful historical story, I think this tells a more personalized emotional story to mm. to a character. And obviously this is fictionalized, but I, I think this is much more unique of a film. That film you can watch through the lens of, oh yeah, this is just another biopic for the Oscars season. Mm. But I think that this does something so much more unique that I, I want to give it that bump above because we're always talking about feeling sameness and stuff. And while... I really love Judas and the Black Design. It's a 9 out of 10. It has that element where you can say, oh, yeah, this is just another one of. And mm-hmm. you can't do that with The Father. There's nothing like this, as I said. And I've seen 1,600 films, by the way. And I just passed uh-huh. that on Letterboxd last night. Uh, so I, I think that unique element just just gives it that slight edge over over something that is as amazing as Judas and the Black Messiah. But mm-hmm. I got to say, I, I, I wish it was up one. To toss my hat in the ring here, I, I think that first of all, putting it above Minari, I'm fine with. It doesn't that doesn't really bother me. But yeah. I, I I think that for me, we spent a lot of the discussion saying that it was cool and and clever, and I don't think that's what I should have been feeling having having finished this film and knowing that the the emotional palette it was going for. I for me, there's a disjunction between. The, the filmmaking and what it's trying to evoke. And that's very subjective, but I think for me, Judas is so exacting in what it's trying to accomplish and its performances are so strong that everybody is going to watch it and get out of it what, um, what the filmmaker intended. And they're going to get a very powerful and important narrative. Now, I know that I am in the very small minority on The Father. I, I looked online, I didn't realize that this film was as acclaimed as it is. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm speaking from a, from a minority opinion and. And so that's not representative of the whole, but I think that Judas in the Black Messiah is a more precise film than this. Mm, okay. mm. Well, I think it's I think it certainly reflects the the placement certainly reflects the uh, the overall consensus of the group. So uh, I, I can't justify putting it over a uh, sound of metal just because 
Uh, I'm going to push back on Tucker's statement. I think that you could definitely find something that does something similar to this, whereas I think that uh, Sound of Metal sound design is incredibly inventive. And, uh, and, and as well as, you know, doing the same thing as this, which is tying that struggle, that stylistic filmmaking element into the emotional resonance of the character journey as well. I think it's funny to think about how similar the movies really are. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not wholly that, yeah. too different from each other. But it sounds like we've reached a consensus. We'll put it at number three. Um, three out of four. So the list as it stands right now is Sound of Metal, Judas and the Black Messiah, The Father, this, this edition's addition. And then at the bottom, Minari. That was a, that was a poor choice of words right there to uh, to make it clear and understandable, but that's okay. And mm. now I think it's time to ask Schedule Master Mr. Dykstra what we're going to be talking about next. Well, speaking of Abrams' criticisms of this being an Oscar bait film, the next one we're watching is perhaps the Oscar baitiest, and that is of course Mr. David Fincher's Mank, starring Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, Charles Dance, Bill Nye the Science Guy. <laughs> <laughs> 10 nominations for this film i believe the most Good. nominations Googling. of any yeah. of the nominees. a lot of yeah a lot of uh of uh of technical nominations for this down, film down but yes ballot. the number one the number one most most nominated of of this oscar season so we'll be coming back we'll be coming back to review that next uh it's in black and white so a little bit more throwback a little bit quirky uh, david fincher <laughs> There yes. we go. I'm excited. Um, it's, I, I I really haven't seen a Netflix movie since I watched. Um, oh, oh yeah. Um, I went and saw The Irishman in theaters over a year ago. That was the last like Netflix original movie that I've seen. So I got to see if they're if they're keeping up with the uh, yeah. With the, I I'm, I don't want to say that they're keeping up the great because Irishman was an f- interesting movie. Was it a great movie? I don't know. But Man, Netflix has two nominees this year. We have the second. Right. One. For for the next few at least, uh, we our our best friend and confidant Abram Buner won't have to be dropping twenty dollars per movie on these now because oh these I, I really I really do feel yes. bad for Abram for for, wa- for for watching the father for twenty dollars and then not I really feel it. bad for him having the moral qualms that he has in his own life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was yes. a, that was a great discussion. Um, really interesting points all around. Um. Glad we had it. Glad we're here to talk about it. Glad I watched this movie. Um, and, you know, I'm going to toot my own horn. Glad I saw it in theaters. I can't wait to go and see more movies in theaters once it's, like, really, truly safe. So until then, keep it here for Backlog Banter content. We got the YouTube. We got the Twitter. Check out our letterbox page. The list is getting updated as we talk about the nominees and as we will move back into the regular quest discussion. It's been a good time. We'll catch you next time to talk about Old Fincher's Mank. All right. Oh, yeah. Peace.